If you are trying to put yourself out there, just realize that no one cares as much as you think they do. And it's okay. That is the hack. It's just to look around and say, oh, actually no one is looking at my body at this pool to see that I haven't lost the seven pounds I've been stressing about all year. Like no one actually cares and no one's noticing that. So why are you putting yourself through that stress? From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. That's Katie Storino, a woman who juggles many different roles. She's perhaps best known as the fashion blogger behind The 12-ish Style, a site that revolves around the world of style for women who live in a size 2 world, but are themselves size 12-ish to 18-ish. Strino sees it as a calling, something she realized after seeing the reaction to an article about her on another fashion site. I read the comments of women and they said, oh my God, I've never seen my body on a fashion blog. Oh my God, I'm a size 14 and I have I didn't think I could wear shorts. It was this thing where I, I realized that it was my job. When she's not working on the 12-ish, she's leading Megababe, the women's personal care line she founded that offers products that, among other things, help with thigh chafing. And when she's not doing that, she's managing her hugely successful Instagram account, where she's a leading advocate of the Make My Size movement, pushing fashion designers to offer clothes in a more inclusive array of sizes. Since I got a divorce, I've gained 60 pounds. So my size has fluctuated, and since I put on weight, it has been insanely bad, which opened my eyes up to the fact that, oh my God, like the average woman in America is a size 16, and and this is how she gets to get dressed? And now, here's my conversation with Katie Storino. Katie Storino, thank you for joining us. You are an entrepreneur, a blogger, you have a lot of different things going on. For those of our listening audience who don't know you... Give us a little bit about your background and what you're doing these days. Yeah, I am. I I don't love the term blogger, but that is what I am. I'm a plus size fashion blogger, which is how I got into this entire space of body positivity and um, kind of pushing boundaries in the women's movement in terms of fashion. I really I had a, a background in public relations and I, I did that for years and it kind of prepared me for this weird career that I have now, um, where I have, I have a couple different jobs. Okay. So you have a couple different jobs. Talk about the different hats you wear. First of all, I think what a lot of our listeners probably know you from most is Instagram. Yes. So Instagram is my life pretty much. Um, (laughs) I mean, I follow you big, I like full disclosure. I rarely do this on this podcast. I'm a fan. Yes. (laughs) That makes me really happy. Um, Instagram is my life because I, I use it primarily as my platform to interact with other women about their body journey and their body struggles and coming to accept themselves. And actually it's a platform where I came to accept myself because I'll have to rewind a bit, but I started an account for my dog, Toast. Um, And I don't know if your listeners are Housewives fans or not, (laughs) but um, Toast is a rescue dog. who She was my dog who got married on The Real Housewives. Um, She became very famous. She was a model. She had a very amazing life. And um, I went from being in public relations to kind of being her stage mom. 
I dogager. So you were dogager. Yes, I was a dogager. <laughs> I was a Chris Kardashian of the dog world. That's what I. And Dose was say. super successful. I mean, I think yes. it had three three hundred sixty two thousand Instagram yes. followers. Yes. Like had a whole there was like a cult following. Basically, yes. she wrote a book with Harper Collins. She had international ad campaigns with Karen Walker. Um, she still has billboards all over the U.S. Um, for Shelter Pet Project, and she she just she touched so many lives and touched taught so many people about rescue. So that is so important for me. So how did you go from being the dogager to basically being, you know, front and center of kind of this whole, you know, entrepreneurship brand, you have mega baby, all these different things you're doing? Um, well, actually, I was on a shoot for NARS with Toast and Man Repeller, and the fashion editor said, oh, we, you know, we love your style. And I couldn't believe that they were talking to me because I am so used to, I was so used to being behind the camera um, and just in the shadow, in the, you know, behind the scenes. Um, and they, they said, let's do a fashion story on you. And we'll, we'll talk about like how to get dressed as a curvy woman. And this was... Four years ago. So four years ago, things were very different. Now this is, this is like buzzy and there's, it's trendy to, to talk about extended sizes and brands are starting to make movement. But, um, four years ago, like Ashley Graham hadn't even been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So we were in a different world. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I don't see anyone out there that looks like me. I don't see anyone out there helping women who are a size 12 ish, which is what I ended up naming my blog who who are in this weird size purgatory that don't really identify with fully being plus sized because uh, the plus size community truly as it had been for for so long they don't love when you are a size 12 and talk about having a tough time to shop because they're like girl I'm a size 26 and I can't shop anywhere so there is this there is this dynamic within that community and I wanted to share my like tips and tricks for how to get dressed. So you do the man repeller uh, kind of diary about getting dressed and getting ready yes. and how you see fashion. What was the reaction? It was it was that moment. What does Oprah say? The aha moment. I want to have an Oprah moment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to have it on this podcast I like together. It. Um, but. Having that aha moment after the Man Repeller um, blog post was all about reading the comments. I read the comments of women and they said, oh my God, I've never seen my body on a fashion blog. Oh my God, I'm a size 14 and I have, I didn't think I could wear shorts. It was this thing where I, I realized that it was my job. This was, I was being called to this and I, and I had to go do it. And I was very uncomfortable. Um, even though this is, I'm all over the Instagram stories. Now I go on the TVs, I do all the things. I was very uncomfortable putting myself out there. And you can see in my first post for the, like the first six months, I'm just, I'm, I don't want to be doing it, but I felt that I kind of had to. So you're kind of finding your voice, but in a really public way. Yes. Yes. And it was hard. And I, I, I was also, I was involved. I was married to someone who was very, very big on social media Mm -hmm. and so good at it and so natural at it. And I had to just find my own way. And it was awkward to watch, I think. would be one tip. So a, a lot of our listeners are on social media, either professionally or personally. You have a very authentic voice, I would say, as somebody who follows you. It's, it, it feels very light. You know, it's, you are driving that content. What's a piece of advice you would give our listeners? Well, th- that at first was, I was dissuaded from doing that. In fact, I, my model agency, 
um, told me I needed to polish up or I wouldn't get brand deals. Um, I had people who were like, don't, don't post about that. Like button up a little, but I couldn't because it's just not my personality. So I think that what we're finding on Instagram now is it used to be all about like the, the perfect photo of your avocado toast. And I think as the people were evolving past this perfectly styled photo of your life and we're getting more into what matters and, um, issues and people are, they're gravitating more towards people who can speak to the truth. And I'm fortunate that that's just something that I'm good at. And, and so my advice for people out there is if you're uncomfortable sharing yourself, first of all, you don't have to share yourself. It's like not something you need to do. Not everyone has to do it. It's okay just to, to look and click and do whatever. But if you are trying to put yourself out there, just realize that no one cares as much as you think they do. And, it's okay. I think that's such a good piece of advice just in life. That yes. No one cares as much about anything no. about yourself as much as you do. They, everyone's a, trying to just get through the day. It's exactly it. And it's the same thing when we talk about swimsuits mm-hmm. or body confidence. That is, that is the hack. It's just to look around and say, oh, actually no one is looking mm-hmm. at my body at this pool to see that I haven't lost the seven pounds I've been stressing about all year. Like no one actually cares and no one's noticing that. So why are you putting yourself through that stress? I want to rewind things for a minute. You are from Wisconsin and a lot of your early professional years were spent in high fashion world in New York. Yeah. When did you realize you wanted to work in fashion? I always loved clothes. I mean, there is no way to get into fashion without sounding like a cliche, <laughs> especially if you are not from you know, Paris or New York. I, I loved clothes and I wanted to, I was drawn to that and I thought I wanted to be a buyer, but I didn't really know what that meant as a lot of people <laughs> think too. I was like, I go shopping for a living, but actually it's all math and um, not my strong suit. So I went into public relations because I could talk to people and I loved talking to people. And I found through talking to people that I liked watching brands grow and helping them with their brand story. How did you get your foot in the door considering you didn't have connections weren't like you weren't from here you didn't you know your your parents weren't in the industry That is it's actually um something I'm it's it's my movie moment I'm very proud of that I was at University of Wisconsin Madison with no connections in New York and I found a posting online for an internship at Chanel and this is Chanel is the top right yeah. that's not you're not like this is Chanel so I just, I relentlessly emailed them and finally got, um, I got a reply and they said, well, we're holding interviews in March. And I said, great, I'll fly out. I don't know. I've never met a person who has flown out for an interview for, 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 an, internship. Co- yeah, for, a, for an internship unpaid during college. But I, I did. And I, I met with the French woman. She was so chic. And at the end of it, she said, you know what? I am offering you this internship, not because you have any qualifications or skill set, but because you are the most relentless and persistent person I've ever met. And so I ended up interning there for, I went back a second summer because they, they liked what I was doing. And, um, I'm always proud of that because it was, it's different. It's different when you don't have connections. You have to do it yourself. So one interesting fact about your PR company, not only that you started it so young, but it was actually called Tinder PR. It was Tinder PR before Tinder. And about three years into running the business, someone was like, oh, a dating app just launched called Tinder. And I was like, ah, 
It's a phase. No one will notice it. But I did end up having to change my name. And ultimately, I sold my website to Tinder because I was contacted so frequently from users who couldn't find dates. And I'm not even kidding. You could have had your own dating. Yes, I know. I should have just like parlayed that into a new dating app for dates where people can't find dates. So you, as you said, started a PR firm. You've been sort of a serial entrepreneur. How did you think that, all right, I'm going to start my own business and even like get the courage to do that, have the startup capital? I mean, these kinds of things. I think it was dumb. I think I was just young and inexperienced and I didn't really understand what that meant. But I knew that my dad had worked for himself for a long time. So it just felt like it just felt natural to me. And it was something that I had seen before. What I realized quickly about the fashion, the world of fashion PR was that it was very intense and not always very nice. And being the nice Midwestern girl that I am, I was frequently uncomfortable. And, and my size played into that too, because I was bigger than everyone. And at the time I was probably a 12 and it was just, a, I was taller, bigger than everyone. And I just didn't fit in. I didn't feel that way. You said that in retrospect, you were way too young to start your own company. Mm. What, what did you mean by that? I mean that if a, it, at this time in my career, if a 25-year-old came up to me and said, I started my company, I would be like, go work for someone else. <laughs> because <laughs> I think that there are key experiences that you need. And I struggled through finding those, but I, I did fake it until I make it. I think it helped that I looked older than I was and I carried myself in, in with a different presence. But I worked really, really hard. And I knew as soon as I saw, it, like I had a peek inside the PR industry and I saw that so many of them, the, the agencies, they bring in the big fish and then the 24 year old works in the account. I thought, well, why not just remove the big fish and, and, give myself a, a chance to do it. Were there lessons you learned from that first entrepreneurial oh. opportunity that you took to the Yeah, I, well, I would say the things I learned from starting my own PR firm were really that I was A, an entrepreneur. B, I was comfortable in that space, even more comfortable being in the unknown than I was in an office setting. And anytime I tried, a client would get some sort of like weird demand that I had to go in two days a week into their office Oh, it just, it gave me, um, it just, it gave me the X. I couldn't do it. So I knew that entrepreneur life was for me. And I, and I have had ideas. This, listen, Megababe was not my first idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just an idea that happened. I have, I have been trying and, and doing things. And I think you hear that a lot from entrepreneurs that it's, it's just the idea that you hear about. It's not that that's their first thing. Well, tell us, tell our listeners what Megababe is. Oh, sure. Megababe is my women's personal care line that I started almost two years ago, uh, with my sister and my best friend. My parents still pack the orders. It's a very, it's a very small homegrown business that has a, a big, appearance because we're sold in Target and Ulta and Goop and some big retailers. But essentially, I launched Megababe because I was tired of using a men's solution for thigh chafe. Mm -hmm. So I don't, for your listeners out there that don't know what thigh chafe is when you're... I mean, I feel like all women know what thigh chafe is. You'd be surprised. (laughs) But so, so I wanted to bring a solution that was both effective and celebratory and not shameful because nothing, there's nothing like bringing out a gross packaged 
product out of your handbag that you have to like hide in the bathroom to use. And I wanted women to be like, oh, it's my mega babe. You want to use my mega babe? I wanted them to feel that there was nothing shameful about having this, um, this very normal thing that women have that or men have too, that, that people just don't talk about. I mean, you're not a scientist. How did you come up with the formula? How did oh, that all? I mean, yeah. I, and I think that something I learned from my PR days and, and starting my blog even and doing toast is that you kind of figure it out. So I said, listen, Jenny, there's nothing on the market. Jenny's my sister. There's nothing on the market that, um, that like this and I want to do it. So we started, we, we Googled. I mean, we literally were like, oh, you're a lab. You're here. We'll call you. You do this. You don't do this. You know someone. So we figured it out. Um, and we, we ended up launching that summer with two products. We were so scared that no one was going to buy anything because I had family members and friends telling me that this was a niche market. This is a problem that only I have, or this is not some, this is not a thing, right? We sold out in, we sold out in pre-sale. We, I think, started with, over 5,000 units of each, mm-hmm. and we sold out immediately. So you have Mega Babe for Thigh and you also have some other products as yes, well. Yes, we have um, Bust Dust, which is a talc-free powder for boob sweat. We have our deodorant, which launched last summer, aluminum-free, non-toxic, and it's it has no baking soda as well because a lot of the popular natural deodorants out there have baking soda, that, which are really irritating to me. And Rosie Pitt's also another thing. I'm like, why would someone buy a deodorant from us? <laughs> but we had, we sold out in bigger quantities and we had a 13,000 person wait list after we did. So it's, it's been really crazy. And we're, we're working on owning the chafe space even more. And we have more products for your armpits coming out and a couple other things this summer. I think that are not in the market that will be really helpful to. Some women. You talked about Instagram kind of being the platform that you use. I think you have something like 291,000 followers. 292. Oh, hey. <laughs> I like it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, we've talked a little bit about the strategy, but I want to talk about, because you described yourself as an introvert. What's it like to share your life in that way? Are you just pretty comfortable with it? I mean, you're talking about your fiance. You're talking about all kinds of different, you know, where you go to eat. I mean, to, you know, experiences at stores. It's so introvert to me. I I saw this joke from Jerry Seinfeld once that he said, I can talk to all of you, but I can't talk to any of you. And that's kind of how I feel. I find I can walk into a room full of a hundred people and have no problem, but you go one-on-one with me and I, I get weird real quick. I I have a hard time with like one-on-one interactions like that. And Mm -hmm. then I need a lot of recovery time in like my safe space. So I'm in my house a lot. I go to my same restaurants a lot. I'm just, I'm very much a creature of habit because I need those things to like this. Sorry for your Mm -hmm. listeners who are going to think this is a little woo woo, but uh, I need to protect my energy because I am very easily drained. I always call myself an introverted extrovert. Like I can be extroverted when you need to be, but yes. I really need to have that kind yes. of time where I'm not talking to anybody yes. and or watching television or whatever. But and just, you're with your like safe people. Yes. Yeah. You're with your pet. I mean, I've got three dogs. I'm just, I need that, like, I need that time to, mm-hmm. to just restore. Tell us about Make My Size. 
Make My Size started essentially out of a, a Net-a-Porte order. Net-a-Porter? Net-a-Porte order? I never know. I'm from North, <laughs> I'm from North Dakota, so you know, I just I okay. try to stay away from the pronunciation. <laughs> well, I, I went shopping on that website, and since I got a divorce, I've gained 60 pounds. So my size has fluctuated, and I used to be able to shop definitely a little bit easier. Let's not say it's ever been like a walk in the park. But right, you're like going in and it's like, okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm like, all right, fine, I can find something. But um, since I put on weight, it has been insanely bad, which opened my eyes up to the fact that, oh my God, like the average woman in America is a size 16, and, and this is how she gets to get dressed. So I zipped up a Diane von Furstenberg skirt. It was about two feet wide in the back open. The zipper was, was, that's how far it was from closing. And I posted it and I said, Hey, I love this skirt. I want to wear it every day. You know, hashtag make my size because I think that there's this misconception with designers where you, you've got 12 people sitting around a boardroom. None of them are over a size six. And they're like, they're like, we're dressing all women. Like we're making, this is, we're doing it. Um, and I really do. They, that is how they think. So I wanted to show them just by putting it on my physical body, just how far away you are from dressing this, this person who you think you're making clothes for. And it's taken off. I mean, you've done, you've done this for multiple different yes. outlets. I, I follow that on Instagram. Um, you know, it seems like some companies are respond in yeah. maybe an appropriate way. And then there's other companies that, I mean, to me, it's just like, are they out to lunch on, on yes. this entire conversation that's know. happening? You know, it's, it's interesting. Even yesterday I had, um, I posted something from one of my straight size blogger friends, uh, Grace Atwood. She posted, about how to support plus size bloggers and only she, for the next month, she's only going to shop and post brands that are inclusively sized, which is a challenge. And she saw how much of a challenge it was. And she said, just go on shop op, push extra, extra large and see, watch all the options you know, disappear. And I posted about it and shop op just sent me hearts and rainbow reply. I'm just saying sometimes there is, sometimes there is this, thoughtless reply and you don't know who's behind that mm. account and you're like what are you doing so there's that and then I've had companies like Alice and Olivia who have just straight up fought me on it which is funny because mm. they're notoriously like not size inclusive right. and then I've had companies like Veronica Beard who are like you're right I we do want to make your size. In fact, we've been working on it. Let us show you what we're doing. It made well has been um has been exceptional at that loft. There have been brands who really get it and are actively working on it. And then I, I mean I I just posted one about theory the other day and they said, Yeah, we're working on it. But but are they? Like I like there's there's I think there's people do it for um PR purposes sometimes, and I understand that too. I'm always surprised because it's such a huge marketplace, right? If you're a business, I know. You know, you're you're basically self-selecting to have only a very narrow part of the entire mm -hmm. landscape of women who have yeah. a lot of disposable income. It's mm -hmm. not like, oh, we only have a disposable income at size four. I know. I I I never understand it. If you're putting a business plan together, I never understand why you target the smallest part of the population. So one of the things that I feel like has come through in this conversation is how many different things you're juggling. You've got Megababe, you've got your blog, you have all the things you're doing. You're also, I think, recently started doing workout classes around New York. Yeah. How do you prioritize? How do you not get overwhelmed? Well, I get overwhelmed every day. <laughs> and I, um, 
how do I do this? Uh, ah, okay. All right. The way I keep all of these balls in the air is that every day is different. Some days are going to require that I'm on mega babe phone calls all day long and I don't touch babe body or the dogs or anything like that for the next five days. And I just kind of go where the work needs to happen. Um, like I love, I, I love everything I do. So it's kind of cool, but I don't sleep. And I, my brain, I'm very much a morning person right in the fives. I'm up, I'm ready. And then around 8.50 PM, my brain just powers down and like, you can barely have a conversation with me. So that's, that's kind of how my, my body works. I mean, we talked a little bit about self-care, kind of taking time for yourself, but are there things that you try to do every week that, you know, kind of help you set yourself up for success? Yeah. Listeners don't roll your eyes, but I really do try to meditate every day for five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, whatever it is. I meditated for 60 seconds in the bathroom before we started this podcast, because for me, it's about taking that moment to reset throughout the day. That is really the key to keeping my brain focused because it's with, especially with the social media, clicking through all the time on things like my brain gets a bit glitchy. So I really make the effort to focus. All right. And last question for you. Tell us what is next. You hinted a little bit at uh, some new products coming from Agabe, but any kind of preview teasers that you can, you can yeah. share with us? Well, our deodorant was very popular. So we've got, we've got our deodorants, we've got a follow up coming up this summer. Um, we're doing something for the boys because we get complaints all the time <laughs> from women that their partners have, have stolen their thigh chafe stick. So we're, we're launching some things in June for men. And I've got a product coming out this summer that I have wanted to do for about 10 years and I cannot wait. I can't wait for it. I'm so excited. It's going to, it's not going to be as mass as everything that, that we've done, but for those of you who need it, you are going to love it. Wow. A teaser to end uh -huh. on. Thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Women Rule is produced by Zach Stanton. Our booker is Jessica Andrews. Dave Shaw is the executive producer of Politico Audio. A special thanks to Derek Clements for helping us out with recording in New York. The show is made in partnership with our founding partners, Google and the Tory Burch Foundation. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And please share our episodes on social media and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at apalmerdc. You can also join the Women Rule community by texting WOMEN to 66866. 